3: Hi, Inside Conan listeners. It's Mike and Jesse, and we wanted to address something before we kick off this episode. There was an ad that went out on Inside Conan last week in error. I don't want to go too far into it, but for our listeners who heard it, I want you to know that it is not reflective of us or Team Coco. A third party facilitates our ads, and there was a mistake on their end, so it ended up being delivered to a small number of our listeners. If you heard the ad, we're sorry if it caused any offense. Thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoy our interview with Brian Rich.
0: And now,
3: it's time for
0: Inside Conan, an important Hollywood
3: podcast. Hello and welcome to Inside Conan, colon, an important Hollywood podcast. We are your hosts. I'm Jesse Gaskell.
0: I'm Mike Sweeney and we're both writers. We've been longtime writers uh, with Conan O'Brien. And on his various shows... We
3: write all of his podcasts.
0: That's right. <laughs> That's right, but not his ad copy.
3: No, never. That's where he gets to shine. Uh, yeah, what have you been up to, Sweeney? I know that you are busy helping prepare for Conan's first live podcast recording at the Wiltern Theater.
0: Well, yeah. I, I Busy is... a exaggeration okay because, well
3: busier <laughs>
0: but the goal i think the goal of this their live podcast is to kind of you know stay true to their successful podcast formula so it's really just transplanting so just conan o'brien conan making fun
3: of sona
0: <laughs> exactly and sona now,
3: giving it back to him
0: now with a the theater echo added in <laughs> that's the big the big change but that's taping tonight actually that'll be very exciting at the wiltern theater the historic
3: yeah theater. yeah so huge venue that's yeah that's really cool
0: and i i think it's going to be extra exciting because uh i know for conan he hasn't really been in front of a live audience since oh my June god
3: he is gonna be milking wrapped.
0: <laughs> yes, it might be a, an eight hour podcast. It's just going to be a
3: one long standing ovation. <laughs> the, uh,
0: the crew will be like, We've got to close. It's 2 a.m. <laughs> He's still going. He's making up fan questions that don't exist and answering them <laughs> out of control. <laughs> Uh, well, and you're going. Great. It'll be fun gonna... to see everyone.
3: I'm I'm going to be there. Yeah. Good. I to, great. I get oh, to good. meet one of our producers in person for the first time. Oh, that's and right.
0: She's she's flying she in. She
3: Has a bottom half.
0: That's. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, Joanna.
3: What else? Wait, you? I heard you went to a concert.
0: Oh, I went to um, first time in my life. Well, it's Dead and Company.
3: Oh yes, the Grateful Dead, but without.
0: Uh, Jerry my, my, my Garcia, sons, I'm assuming. My adult sons uh, have just become huge Grateful Dead fans. I think <laughs> because I... It's, it
3: skips a generation, I think.
0: Yes. Well, I, I played, I think, a wide variety of music for them growing up, but never the Grateful Dead. And this is... So that's a tip and to them And they were parents. like, we already
3: have the tie-dye shirts. So we might <laughs> right. as well.
0: But if there's music you don't want your kids to become obsessed with as adults... Make sure you play it for them as when they're younger, so it's <laughs> it, it's something they they can't discover later. Like, why did you keep this from us? Right. But I so I went and how right fun be- it was right before we went. They're like, uh, it's a four hour concert.
3: <laughs>
0: so, so yeah. I lost. Yeah, it took me. So like,
3: h- here's three edibles.
0: Right. One thing I learned is they have a something called Shakedown Street, which is. Where they tailgate, all the fans tailgate, and all the oh. vendors tailgate. And that, before the show, and that was
3: Oh, well, see, I would have great. wanted to go to just that part, I think.
0: that's. I was quite happy with that, and could yeah. have gone home after that. And I learned that nitrous oxide is a big, nitrous oxide in balloons.
3: Oh, is that is the drug of in, choice?
0: <laughs> yes, it's, I think it's called the hippie crack. Ah! <laughs> the L.A. police could have... They could have gotten all their drug arrests taken care yeah. of in this one parking well, what lot. What does
3: that do besides make your voice... Does it I, make your voice squeaky? No.
0: Oh, just, no. That's healing. Okay. Right? That's healing. I, <laughs> I don't know. But they should have had dentists, like roving dentists Oh, yeah. There. Right. But, uh, yeah. I, I Did you ever have laughing gas, like, uh, when you were a kid? from
3: the Oh, getting my wisdom teeth out. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing.
0: Yeah. I, I never... I never loved it. Really. Oh,
3: you didn't. You didn't have a good time. No, maybe it's because it involved
0: wisdom teeth and pain. So I always associate it with. Maybe I should have done yeah. it before the show.
3: That does that doesn't speak well, though, of the concert itself. If you have to have right dental grade,
0: I agree. I agree. <laughs>
3: Anesthesia to and enjoy, and then it. you
0: know there were all there was the morphine tent, which I also thought <laughs> didn't speak well to the band.
3: A lot of ventilators.
0: Yeah. How was your week? Anything exciting?
3: Um. Well, I got. I kind of got. Uh. I got tricked into handing out candy for some
0: friends
3: on Halloween.
0: Oh, I was going to say. I hope it was at least on Halloween. Oh yeah. Okay. What do you mean tricked?
3: Uh, Yeah, my friend uh, Pennywise the clown asked me to hand out
0: candy.
3: (laughs) No, they they live on one of those crazy storm
0: drain. Yeah.
3: (laughs) Halloween streets. And they were like, "Come over, we're having a party. You know, we're gonna order yeah. pizza. It's gonna be a grown-up party." Sounds and then good. I got there, and somebody shoved a bowl of candy in my hands. What? And I was stuck handing. Out. It was like a steady stream for four hours of children coming to the door, and I couldn't even get like there wasn't even a chance to take a break to tell someone else to come
0: relieve me. Wait, you're wait. So everyone else was having a party. Oh yeah, you...
3: everyone else was was hanging out. I guess I could have just not.
0: Yes, I would have just answered gone the door.
3: Yeah, I would just left with <laughs> just leave the candy on the doorstep with a sign.
0: Were the adults in costume? Because that would really fucking piss me off. On top there of everything were, else, uh, yeah, there were some Ugh. costumes. I know. I mean, sure, that's great fun.
3: And it, it, so I had to be the Ugh. the the grunt.
0: Oh no. That's
3: but uh but it so was fun. Are, I mean, I liked seeing these are trying ex- to guess friends. what costumes were. Yes, exactly. <laughs>
0: okay. Good. I'm glad you'll never see these horrible people again. <laughs> it what was were the fun big trying to I
3: mean lots of Squid Game. Sure. A lot of Squid Game, which I think is weird. I don't see that how are children watching Squid Game.
0: Well, are they Yeah. How they they were young children dressed yeah, in small Squid kids. Game jumpsuits or Yes uh did you ask any of them like what was your favorite episode knew- <laughs> i'm assuming they didn't
3: well i didn't want any spoilers so i'm not done
0: watching it right right, right. It.
3: yeah and then there were probably a lot of others that i
0: i wish you had that red right. light green light doll for them <laughs> at the front door run children mm-hmm. run
3: <laughs> yeah that would have uh i think solved my problem yes
0: yeah, so it would have
3: okay speaking of treats
0: Uh, how how was that (laughs) that is a wonderful segment we
3: have a treat for you guys this week we do talked to the legendary late night writer brian rich
0: brian rich is uh one of my favorite writers of all time just when he was on the show uh in the late 90s incredibly creative and um the proofs in the pudding he came up with some of people's favorite characters from late night, including the masturbating bear and pimp bod 5000, and one of my yeah. favorite lesser known characters, Five Hooks the Pirate. Good, <laughs> good luck digging up video with Five Hooks. But...
3: <laughs> You've scrubbed it
0: all. Yeah, that's right. And um, so we were both very excited to uh, chat with Brian and catch up with him.
3: Yeah, and he gave us a really good, he painted a, a vivid picture of the chaos of early late night writer's room
0: yeah it was they were they were long days very late nights and um 12 people trapped in a small room
3: yeah lots of farting
0: yeah well yes
3: (laughs) i'm just i didn't want to say that i wasn't there but i think that's a safe bet Uh,
0: yes i have strong memories
3: so here's brian rich
0: If you're a fan of Conan and especially Conan's late night with Conan O'Brien years, there were so many great sketches and characters that came up and were created in the mid to late 90s. These characters still come up all the time, Masturbating Bear, Pimp Bot, and a lot of really great memorable sketches. And when people ask me about them, I always mention our next guest who created... So many of these memorable moments. Mr. Brian Rich. Brian, welcome to the show.
3: Welcome, Brian. Thank
0: you.
4: Thank you. Thank you for having me. Oh, my God.
3: Yeah, it's long overdue.
4: Yeah, it's funny. Actually, I think you kind of went out to me once to, to maybe see if I could do this show before and this was when you were in New York yes. and I think that <laughs> it's funny because I think I said I can't because I was working with Smigel
3: and then Smigel right. came and
4: did it yeah on some you know <laughs> we were doing some like test like pilot thing for something that we ended up doing this year Right. but I was like oh, I don't think I can I really should go to this thing yeah. and then I get there and it's like where's Robert oh he's going to be in late <laughs> He's doing this Conan podcast and I was like, mm, okay, great. Yeah. Well,
0: you created an opening when you said no.
3: <laughs> yeah, I know. That's great. He was getting calls from someone on your team, I think, during our <laughs> podcast. Uh, Where are you?
4: Yeah, that's, that's when I learned not to ever be a team player.
3: Well, we're glad that we got you in between Smigel projects. Yes. Mm-hmm. We get so many questions about... The characters that you've created. they're still some of people's all-time favorites. That's
4: great. That's great to hear.
3: Well, we want to go back to kind of to the beginning of your time on the show, because you uh uh-huh. you came over from David Letterman, right? Yeah. That was that was that your first writing job out of college?
4: Yeah, yeah. That was pretty much my first job was Letterman uh in the same building in the same studio as, you know, late night with Conan O'Brien later. Was to be in so um, yeah. I worked for Letterman at the very end of his run at NBC there, uh-huh. and then Conan was my next job after that.
0: What What was it like starting at Letterman right out of college? That had to be were you intimidated or, were, or I was, was
4: just... yeah. I mean i I was really just excited to get the job. I think yeah. I got it about a year after I actually graduated. Okay,
3: what took so long?
4: <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I a bit of a slacker. Wait, so uh, you were twenty three. <laughs> Yeah. So I was like, can I still write for young people anymore? (laughs) Is is anyone going to get my references? (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. I mean, it was just really exciting to, I mean, I remember when I heard I was getting hired and I was, uh, I was living at home with my parents in New Jersey and I think that was like the biggest thrill of all is like, oh thank God I'm now having I get
3: to move out. Yes,
4: yeah,
0: so I can have enough
4: money <laughs> and to like get out of here right. and like leave this behind forever.
0: Once I explained to them who David Letterman
4: is. <laughs> yeah. So moving back there after college was just a big mistake. But it did it did motivate me to <laughs> Right. You know, that's a great motivator. Yeah, get a good application
0: together. Well, you were on you were in the Harvard Lampoon, right? So that Right. That's where you probably knew all these people who had.
3: And you're like, everyone who graduates works in television.
4: Yeah. (laughs) Well, not. Yeah. But yeah, we knew about, oh, you know, we'd hear about like this and that person who had gone on to write for shows we were into, you know. Right.
3: And did you, had you heard of Conan at that point? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
4: Yeah. yeah. Conan amongst them. Uh, Conan was still, you know, he graduated way before me, but he was still. You know, he was talked about because he was two-time president there
0: of the the Lampoon of the Lampoon. Okay,
3: like, overachiever. <laughs> always
0: a showing off.
4: Usually, you know, a se- it's always a senior is president, pretty much. Uh, so it was kind of an unusual thing that he got elected in his junior year and senior year. Oh, uh, maybe that happened once before. I don't know, but it, but
0: uh, but now we know so much about. Election cheating and vote counting. But <laughs> yes, that's right. I think we need to revisit his double presidency.
4: <laughs> it seems, yeah, it seems unlikely that right. <laughs> that could have actually happened twice.
3: So you did, so you had some awareness of Conan. And mm-hmm. so when you were at Letterman and you heard that Conan was taking over. Late night. Was that a, were you surprised?
4: Yeah, I think, I think, well, I mean, of course it was a little after Letterman that Conan got the job. Right. Wasn't Letterman off? Yeah, he was definitely off NBC before they made the Conan announcement. In between. Okay. Yeah. You know, I wasn't really ready to jump back into writing right then, but I remember thinking the back of my mind, hmm, this will be something to watch, you know, and see maybe this is a place I'll want to work. I, I, I guess I remember watching the early shows, you know, mm-hmm. and thinking, yeah, you know, maybe, you know, maybe down the line this will be for me.
3: Maybe if they find their footing. <laughs> right, right,
4: right. Yeah, I guess we were all kind of excited. I guess we were like, yeah, finally, us, you know, funny writers are going to step to the, yeah. to the floor, <laughs> you know. Like, why are all these, you know, meat puppets saying our jokes getting, you know, credit. <laughs> this is going to usher in a new age of the writer scholar mm-hmm. celebrity <laughs>
3: revenge of the nerds.
4: Yeah.
0: So th- that had to be a little weird. Your next job after Letterman was in the same studio or it was probably very comforting. You're, did, yeah. did you act like guys, I know my way around. Too I right. knew where the
4: commissary was. <laughs> right,
0: right. You know what I mean?
3: What was, I mean, what were some of your immediate impressions of the the Conan writing staff and just how, how was it different from being at Letterman?
0: It was kind of wilder. Like when I was there, Mm
4: -hmm.
0: we had a lot of late nights there because we'd eat dinner. We do the show. Yeah. Then we'd eat dinner in this ugly, awful conference room where if you didn't like the food, it got like thrown up in the ceiling where tiles were missing and (laughs) just to see what would happen to it after a couple of months and. Uh, and then we'd go back in to the to the head writer's room and work on whatever we had to crank out bits for, you know, the next day or the next few days. And I I remember a game we started playing that I've tried to oh God. <laughs> explain to people. I think they, I know
4: it's coming, but I'm not sure. But go ahead.
0: Did you invent this game? Was it called Baghead? Baghead, yeah. Yes, Baghead. <laughs> yeah. Can you explain... Wait till everyone hears the rules.
4: Uh let's see if I can remember exactly. But yeah, it just gets so loopy and bored. Right. That you just need something to stimulate you.
0: We were all very punch drunk. Yeah. It'd be like ten thirty right. at
4: night. And I'm also someone who yeah. He's just sitting still for hours. Like I just feel my body corroding. Right. Like, you know, I'm always like in writer's room over there too long, getting up and pacing around. And... Right. But anyway, Baghead is, uh, <laughs> it's a very, it's a giddy game. You, you put a bag, a paper bag, I guess it was usually like the bag we had gotten our dinner in or something. Right. You put a bag over the head, your head and then you would have to go around, circle of each person in the in the room in the head writer's room like we'd be arranged kind of in a circle right you'd go up to each person you'd lower your head and then that person would get a free snack of your head oh my god you you didn't know exactly you know when it was coming so you're kind of like you know you're kind of waiting it's just kind of funny you'd let the person sit there for quite a while and it wasn't like full you weren't like you weren't like slamming the person that hard. It was just just hard enough to be like kind of funny. That When
3: you brought this up, I assumed it was going to be some sort of way of generating ideas, like uh-huh. an improvisation oh, no. game. But it literally was just, we're going to punch each other with the bag on.
0: It, it took, <laughs> took away ideas by yeah. causing concussions. And brain damage. No, I explained that game to people. And I'm like, <laughs> I was like, oh my God, it was so hilarious. You put a bag on your head and then go around and people punched you in the head. That's it.
4: <laughs> that reminds me when I was actually, uh, just remind me at Letterman, there was a, a game called Tub of Tea.
3: <laughs> You'd sit in a tub of tea and people would punch you.
4: <laughs> no, there was no tea <laughs> or tub. It was also just punching you in the head with a bag. But...
3: <laughs> I think I see where you got this idea.
4: Yeah, when we would order Chinese, they'd bring our tea be in these big plastic containers and they'd be piping hot. And it would always be, can you, you know, someone would try to drink the piping hot tub of tea, you know, in the break the record for time. And you'd be trying to just down <laughs> it, but it, it's just scalding you so much. And everyone, of course, would be chanting like tub of tea, tub of tea. <laughs> so you had to do you it. You had to do uh-huh. it. But yeah, I don't know. I think Baghead probably loosened things up mm-hmm. pretty much. I remember though it being outrageous that at one point Ellie would not Don the bag, Ellie Barancic.
0: Oh, right. She was the writer's assistant,
4: writer's coordinator. Yeah, at that time. And Oh, she refused to do it.
0: And we were all
4: angry. If you don't want to participate, right. but she had hit the bag head. Oh, gotcha. If you hit the bag, you must also put your head in the bag, I think,
0: is <laughs> the fair rule. I mean, that's fair. And that those are the rules that come on the box mm-hmm.
4: when you get the game. <laughs> so
0: it's weird that the bag is boxed. There's I, I, and I remember the head writers, he'd be like, you guys are hitting me harder. <laughs> <laughs> he, got, he was getting mad. And we're like, well, yeah, you're the one keeping us here. So,
4: I'm sure that, that game still goes on today, doesn't it? Or Sure, of course. I can't
0: imagine it dying out. No, something like that I would never <laughs> No. Do. As long as there <laughs> are paper bags to be had. Mm-hmm. It was terrifying.
3: Um, Brian, do you remember, was... Not to put you on the spot, but the origins of Masturbating Bear, because we obviously get a lot of inquiries about MB, and we just would love to get like a real soup to nuts of Masturbating Bear and where that came from.
4: Yes. Yeah, it's funny because if you actually, if you Google my name and... Brian Rich and Masturbating, Masturbating Bear is still one of the top three hits that will come up.
3: That's great for you.
4: Yeah. <laughs> and Mike, I think you actually, I remember you corrected me after a panel like years ago because I had forgotten the actual the actual origin. I thought it was a new characters thing, which is the sketch we started doing afterwards, like just introducing it. Right. But what it actually was, was pleasing the affiliates.
3: mm. I also love that you already did a panel about masturbating bear. That's right.
0: <laughs> we need to get people to talk about this,
4: and then we we broke off into
0: separate discussion groups. <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, pleasing the affiliates.
4: So yes, pleasing the affiliates. So I just like the premise that the masturbating bear was a pre existing character. The idea was, right. we're we're from now on, we're going to have the masturbating bear bound up, right. right, so that he can't masturbate anymore.
0: I think it was like an affiliate, like Conan yeah. read letters, like I think it was like an affiliate, yeah, from Utah or Utah, or something. something like
4: that, like somewhere that they'd be conservative, mm. and and they were complaining about the masturbating bear, which didn't exist, right. you know, in reality as a character, right, in reality, uh, and so we we're agreeing now to uh, the masturbating bear would be shackled and we had, you know, the trainers, which you and I actually played. Right. Like, we had cattle prods and everything. We were going to make sure that the masturbating bear would no longer... Uh, be allowed to masturbate when he appeared on the show. Yes, what the masturbating bear in any conception was supposed to have been doing, right. other than masturbating and all these other appearances, <laughs> you know, is left unsaid.
0: It still hasn't been addressed. Yeah.
4: So of course he, you know, he breaks free and he starts masturbating and right, and then it yeah went from there. I just had to think of new permutations. I remember there was one where he was being totally good and not masturbating, and then. Conan walks over to congratulate him, I think. And right. his hand passes through him and he realizes it's actually a hologram. And then you cut to the masturbating bear operating like a hologram machine. And he's been masturbating wildly the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot that
0: one. It was just one beat in this desk piece. You know, a piece that's like five minutes long. Yeah. The crowd went so nuts for it that <laughs> right. right away, it's just like, uh, I mean.
3: The, a blessing and a curse. Yeah,
0: that's your bit now, and you own it. Right, and it's it's a double edged sword because, you know, the all of a sudden it's like we need more masturbating bear and
3: yeah, we need him in more and more
4: precarious scenarios. Right,
0: <laughs> but after three weeks, it's you're probably like, oh god, please no more.
4: You know, this isn't a, a rich, multi dimensional character that. I- <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. After I left the show, though, I don't think I ever watched masturbating. Well, I've seen a few, but I just didn't, I don't want to know Too
3: painful. Yeah.
4: They've cheapened it. It's not all about (laughs) the masturbating. It's about the inherent tension between what the bear (laughs) wants and what the show wants.
0: (laughs) There was one really great one. I don't know if you ever saw it. We were in Chicago for a week. Yeah. And so Conan's on stage at the Chicago theater. This is like 2006, I think so. This after you had left the show. of And but he's like, well, you know, people are like, where's the masturbating bear? You got to have him in Chicago. But I promise you, you know, it's a vile character. There's no way right. we would bring that character here to Chicago. <laughs> and then you just cut to a pre-tape and it was an airplane, a biplane. And the masturbating bear skydives out of the plane over like there was an, a cameraman skydiver yeah. as well. Wow. Who shot the whole thing. Before so before
3: CGI. Oh
0: yeah. You saw this amazing view of, of Lake Michigan and, and down, you know, the Sears Tower and and it was all to Mission Impossible music. And we actually got a skydiver right, right. to put on the masturbating bear costume <laughs> and jump. And it that was one of those things when it was edited overnight. And you know, I think Michael Coleman and Andrew and Michael Gordon and Andrew Weinberg edited it and like all the writers gathered around and just watched it like 20 times in a row on the yeah. on a computer cuz it just you couldn't That's believe it great. existed I'm
4: surprised that the the bear suit didn't disintegrate from the the air pressure against it, skydiving, just the bear <laughs> right. just flying away, you know.
0: <laughs> well, they knew they knew the first time you created it oh, that, like right. this yeah. has to be, mm-hmm. it's got to be able to withstand air pressure. Yeah, let's let's put in the extra money now.
3: How did you cast who was actually going to play the masturbating bear? Because you didn't take that glory
4: role for yourself. Yeah, um, <laughs> I don't know. I, I you know if I knew that it would you know, have such repercussions and go on. I right.
3: Longevity. Yeah.
4: I'm sure I would have tried to get in the bear suit. And, <laughs> you know, that's just a uh, tire on that yeah, stuff. You could be
3: doing appearances still.
4: Or... I don't remember. I think it was probably just a matter of, uh, Michael Gordon saying, you know, yeah, I'm uh, not busy because uh, when you're in something <laughs> like that, you know, it's going to take a lot of the day out to go to rehearsals and all that right. stuff. So if you're too busy with something. Right.
0: But he also played a lot of mute characters on the show. Like he, uh-huh. he played like a giant ant and he did <laughs> he play a skunk and he, 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 so he did all these kind of mimey giant costume. Ca- like he played the Stanley cup where he uh-huh. had a giant Stanley cup on it, his body and you just saw his legs so it probably was like does this bear talk no okay it's it's a it's gonna be Gordon
4: yeah I he was this thing Diz I think before right it might have been before I even started I don't know if they had stopped doing it by then but it's a very early character of his
0: Diz was a character he would come out I think he had like um he almost had like a where's Waldo kind of shirt on and would come out and just spin around to music and a sign that said, go Diz go until, <laughs> until he got dizzy and fell down. Right. And he would interrupt the, like, I think, I think his favorite time appearance was during a Bob, an interview with the real Bob Dole.
5: <laughs> oh my All of God. a sudden the band goes, go Diz go.
0: And he just comes up and he literally got so yeah. dizzy. I think he half fell into Bob Dole on the couch. <laughs> <laughs> that that was
4: a sketch called "Not Pleasing Our
0: Affiliates," <laughs> right? <laughs> That's probably what led to the creation mm. of that, that bit. Do they? They I mean, must still
4: do that. I remember now, like after the show, sometimes Conan would have to stay out there for like another hour and just. Film these little messages, you know, for
0: the affiliates, like
4: KTLU, like oh yeah, yeah, keep yeah. it going, Sam, you know, or whatever, like right. you know, like
0: <laughs> hey, Santa Cruz,
4: yeah, and people Santa Cruz, wow, he really knows what's going on in our town, you know, like <laughs>
0: right, right, we're cruising to great ratings thanks to you.
3: Well, and another one of your famous sketches was PimpBot. Yes. Can you really quickly explain the premise of PimpBot? To anyone who might be unfamiliar?
4: Pimpot was a, well, it's... It's
3: in the name. (laughs) Much like Baghead.
4: (laughs) Right. If you're an etymologist, you could probably... (laughs) He was a uh, robot pimp. Yeah. He combined the sensibilities of a 70s street pimp with that of uh, sort of a 50s sci-fi robot. And Mm -hmm. he would come out and move mechanically and he would uh, talk about, you know, his hose and he would threaten Conan with a switchblade. <laughs> he would threaten to make Conan one of his prostitutes. If Conan pushed into our,
0: that's right. <laughs> oh, and Conan would always be like, I'm hosting the show. I don't have time to <laughs> prostitute myself <laughs>
3: right.
0: in the way, uh-huh. in the way you envision. But
3: otherwise.
0: Yeah. Right, right. Otherwise full speed ahead.
3: Which also it's a, it seems like started as a, a one-off character and then was so popular that he, he got his own spin-off series because it didn't it yeah, start
4: i think he was from a new character Yes, that one if i'm wrong pimp Pop 5000 mm-hmm. right i think also tommy Blacha. i have to give him some of the credit the initial idea for him something about you know the robot pimp we shared a, a office together tommy and i
5: mm-hmm.
4: uh-huh. but then i i did write right yeah the initial thing and his whole the name of him and his whole Persona and everything, and the rhyming and all that. This whole shtick. I remember I read "Pimp" by Iceberg Slim to get some, you know.
0: Oh right.
4: Some <laughs> ideas and and background, and I some verity some other similar literature by this guy Donald Goines, like you know these books like Sun and uh, you know all all these like inner city kind of seventies. Right. Yeah.
0: Literature.
3: Wow, you really did your <laughs> homework. <laughs>
0: I remember once we had uh, this show so old, Lost in Space, the original Lost in Space. I don't know if uh-huh. anyone even remembers yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, sure. But the the, the original Doctor Smith was on our because sh- Conan, especially in the early years, would have all these a lot of actors from uh-huh. hit '60s shows, yeah. and it was kind of like a you know people you hadn't heard from in years, and one of them was this guy Jonathan Harris, who was the original Doctor Smith. Uh-huh. I think there was a during his interview, the the idea was. Pimp bot would come out mm-hmm. and you, you bubble headed booby, get out of the <laughs> uh-huh. you, you bucket of bolts. Right. So, we went in to talk to him before the show. <laughs> and Conan, you know, was like, Oh, you know, your show was on in reruns when I was a kid and I watched every episode. He's like, Of course you did. <laughs> he was just like over the top, flamboyant. Uh-huh. And we went over the sketch with him and he was just like, Of course I've got it. And yes, of course I'm a professional. Broadway, you name it, I've done it. And we're like, Okay, this is going to be great. And then he's out there on the couch with Conan, his interviews winding up. And then you hear like the mechanical noises and, and Pimpot comes out uh-huh. and goes, you know, something like, hey, Dr. Smith, you know. <laughs> and, and Jonathan Harris just looks at him and goes, oh, well, what a lovely fellow. Like He,
3: he didn't totally do it.
0: Totally <laughs> forgot. Yeah. He literally, in the ten minutes that elapsed, forgotten there was going to be a sketch. Got all his
3: training, and yeah. and Conan's like, <laughs> wow. oh,
0: "Dr. Harris, uh, it's a oh, you know no. robot who's a pimp," yeah. And he's like, "Oh." oh. Um charmed i'm sure like he just oh i and so the the, the actor playing the the robot oh, is still right. doing the moves he was he had to keep making
4: his moves <laughs> yes. like, yeah for like 20 minutes just waiting for, for 20 the... minutes you still hear all the servo sounds <laughs> right.
1: apple card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card you earn up to 3% daily
0: cash on every purchase every day That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA Salt Lake City Branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply.
1: Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw.
3: So were these uh sketches that you were proud of? Like did you tell your family, yeah, hey, look, you guys gotta watch tonight. The masturbating bear is on.
4: I don't think I did. I don't think I did. I think I, yeah.
0: You had another bit on that that you could tell your parents about. And uh no, that is it's one of my favorite bits. And they they put it I I think Team Coco put it up a year ago and it uh-huh. kind of got all I think a lot of new attention. It was uh, the FBI sting yeah. sketch. Oh,
3: I love this one. That
0: was yeah, that was a fun one to do. A sketch where Conan's brothers in the audience, and Conan introduces him. and it, it turns out his brother was a felon who was on the lam, and the it turned the FBI agents arrest him. And then it turns out the entire Late Night with Conan O'Brien show that had been on for like three years already yeah. <laughs> was an elaborate sting to capture Conan's felon brother
3: <laughs> and learn,
0: by luring him to the studio. Yeah, the sting operation sketch. Yeah, that was a fun one.
3: And then it ends with them like re- completely dismantling the set. and
0: They dismantle the whole uh, set. And the the great part is Conan, everyone who works on the show is in on this sting operation except for Conan.
4: Right. From the very beginning, you know, him getting the job and everything was just to lure his brother out of hiding, you know, he's like, right. you know, my brother's in the audience today, brother. And then, all right, let's get him. And then Andy is an FBI agent. Yeah. Everyone, right. the you know, they're all it was all just to lure this guy. And what do you think? You you'd get a, you, it you never seems weird that you got a show, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so everyone left
0: Everyone they they literally took the the set out uh-huh. and then everyone files out of the studio.
4: Yeah, and I think they took away the death. They took everything away. Right. Yeah. It was a bare bones place. Then Conan just appears in like a spotlight. I think uh-huh. if I remember like in you know by the monologue area. There's kind of just a light on him. Like there's one light left. His rest is dark, and he starts making some really heart you know felt speech about you know maybe it was just this thing, but you know, maybe I made someone laugh and, you know, I had a dream is the important thing. And and then while he's in the middle starting to do this, you know, where I'll sum up, you just hear from the rafters like a stage or something. Ah, the idiot still thinks people are watching. And, every, and you just hear everyone just laughing at him. And he just, you know, does his like thing of ultimate shame Conan and runs away into the darkness, which is,
0: which is great. Ugh.
3: And then it goes out to commercial on that. Yeah. Oh,
0: that's one of my favorite things about it. Like no band kicked in, like, you know, more Conan in a minute. It was that commitment. People watching were
3: like, oh my God.
0: Yeah.
4: Yeah. Complete desolation.
0: Right. (laughs) Yeah. I love then after that, he came back, you know, well, my next guess, but I love that, that it never got deconstructed in any way. Was there a discussion at the time? I wonder about, ending the sh- that night show with a sketch cuz that would have been a well
4: nbc was actually talking about ending the series with that sketch <laughs>
0: <laughs> hey you know this could do double duty for you're never going to have a better opportunity you know <laughs> right, right, right. Uh, he's, he's giving it to us
3: well i was wondering i mean we you it seems like you've only had home runs on the show do, uh-huh. but do you remember having any sketch that just bombed in rehearsal or something that you were like, this is going to do really well then.
4: Mm, I don't know. I don't remember anything like completely being, I don't know. I'm sure there were some that, you know, fell flat probably because of technical problems. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, Sure. Of course. Oh, I do remember there was one, it, it was kind of salvaged, but, um, uh, Oh, it was a kid's show. We did a kid's
0: show. Right. Are you
4: there for that Sweeney? Yeah. Where, uh, the audience was all kids and we kinda oriented it supposedly toward kids.
0: Towards kids.
4: Yeah. And there was one I had one funny thing on that, which was the boredom monster. Right. Which was like kind of this way to blackmail the kids through terror that if they're if they start getting too quiet at any point during the show, the boredom monster's coming. And we'd cut to this, this horrible monster in the hallway, he was slithering his way toward them and they'd all scream and everything. And it was just this threat. Right. But there was a thing where for some reason I had this thing, uh,
0: a parade of birds
4: came down in the audience.
0: Oh, right. Vomiting. Was it vomiting birds?
4: Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if we said they were vomiting birds or I think it was just supposed to happen at some point all right they were all coming down you know these guys in bird costumes right uh down the alleyway and then at some point <laughs> they were all going to lean over and just project all vomit on people in the audience <laughs> <laughs> i mean not real vomit obviously but with those right. you know snl type you know things
3: which is still gross yeah
4: <laughs> to have that <laughs> it's still gross but not when it's birds but in the context of a bird parade come on right that's, yeah that's it's just like fireworks on the 4th yeah. of july it's
0: what you expect <laughs> with mostly a plant diet it's not that bad uh
4: but there was some like huge malfunction and those were basically and then the birds leaned over and like nothing came out like this i don't know whoever's was doing special effects there was some kind of you know he's like pumping away or something oh like, no what's going on and like just like a trickle like of stuff came out and oh. i was like oh my god that's just total and and then in like editing we were just able to put enough together that somewhat salvaged it but like in my mind it was going to be like you know Exorcist gushing on people and instead it was just like a, you know, yeah, Uh. a slow trickle. Look, a line of coughing birds. Yes. Like a (laughs) a mildly dyspeptic bird parade.
0: (laughs) (laughs) He's got hiccups.
3: Can you okay, so we kinda glossed over this, but what was the kids episode? What was the
4: backstory of that we were trying new things like in those days like just you know for the hell of it i don't know there was one week we did which was time travel time travel right where each each uh, day that week they conan and andy were in a different time period like
0: they were ancient rome and then the next night the civil war right and then this idea was just let's do a show for an audience entirely of kids, and what would that kids show? What would the show be?
4: Right, as if our sensibility was <laughs> wasn't childish enough.
0: <laughs> <laughs> right. We yeah, we had to dial it down like by two years. Right. Hey, these kids will love Baghead. <laughs> right.
3: Did the kids like
4: it? Uh did the kids like it? I think they yeah, I think they liked it. Yeah. Yeah. We kept them
0: entertained enough. My memory is no one remembered. I mean, no one anticipated them getting that restless mm. that quickly, and yeah, and then it was just coded out there, and we're all like, oh, all <laughs> right. good luck." Right.
3: That's when he started string dancing.
0: Twenty-eight <laughs> minutes to go.
3: Because there were no
4: parents, right, in the audience. Like we just had no parents. They were like maybe watching from the green room or something, but
0: but the great thing was, and I oh my, maybe you remember his name. I think the second or third guest. Was like an NBC economics (laughs) correspondent. Oh, Oh, did we
4: did we purposely book someone really dry? Uh, Yes, uh
0: and Conan totally committed to Uh it, and they had this really straight, dry interview. And the kids, I think the kids booed through the. Yeah, they
4: just booed (laughs) through the whole. I'm I'm sure they're bored of monster. Right, right, was coming out a lot then. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, it was fun to do these like, weird things once in a while. It was a, oh, kind yeah. of a pain, usually, to you know it was, but good to get out of the rut, I think.
0: Do you remember you were going to, I think you announced you were going to leave the show, uh-huh. and you're, you're um, coming out to L.A. to work on a sitcom. So the head writer, Jonathan Groff, started the search for someone to take your place.
3: Yeah, I've heard that this is a legendary story, but I'd like to hear Brian tell it.
0: Yeah. Okay. I'll, I'll try to do it justice. But, okay. but
4: yeah, I, I hadn't been hired by a sitcom or anything at that time. I was just, oh. I was just leaving. I didn't know what I was going to do. But you know, I was just like, Oh, wow, kind of feeling, you know,
3: you were like anything. But this.
4: right? no, I don't know. I was just, it was still great. But I was sort of like, you know, I felt like I'd done a lot. And so the search be begun. And I decided to see if I could get hired again. I mean, part of it is like, how much of it is just random? Like when you get hired or have I gotten worse? Right. (laughs) Like, you know, maybe I'm not as funny. Like maybe I've, you know, maybe I've gone downhill. Maybe not like, or it'd just be interesting experiment to see if I could get hired again. So I wrote another application. Like I wrote a bunch of new sketches. Some of them were ideas that maybe i had had before you know while working on the show that never did anything with like maybe they were too weird or right or maybe like you know too annoying to produce or something like that you know so i never <laughs> like proposed them actually but yeah but i wrote you know a bunch of new sketches and i had um now i just needed a front right you know to hand it in.
0: So you submitted those to the Conan show, but what was the front? The front.
4: Okay. The front was a roommate of a friend of mine from high school <laughs> named, named Hank Flynn. Okay. Who was like, he was kind of a, I think he's, he, he's like a car, you know, he's an on air reporter in Philadelphia uh-huh. a TV station or something now, but he, he did some stand up at the time, like some performance already up. Yeah. So he kind of, he wasn't completely from left field where, you know, so it wasn't like a shoe salesman. He was doing some entertainment-y comedy stuff. But uh, right. he was a roommate of a friend of mine from high school. And so uh, he agreed to do it under his name and everything, Hank Flynn. Uh, and then I got Greg Cohen, put it one step farther from me. Greg Cohen. Another writer on the great show. Great writer on the show. Yeah. was going to say that it was going through him, that Hank was a friend of his or a friend of his friends or something like that. Oh, okay. So I wrote the thing up. We proposed, you know, we, we put it in everything and then the process began and then it was like, Oh, like finally, (laughs) how's it going? You know? And it's like, well, we we're down to a few, you know, whatever. And like Uh Hank is one of the, uh, he's on the short list. One of the the finalists. finalists. This is great. Oh, and then, uh, Greg Cohen started getting really nervous. By the way, he just <laughs> started having second thoughts. Like, are we gonna? Oh, this is this really bad? Like, are we gonna get in big trouble? Actually, as it when it got down to the very end, we're like the two finalists. <laughs> I actually was brought in, like, like I guess Groff and Conan were like gave it to me. Like, well, you you look at these. What do you think? Oh, to weigh in. Yeah, to weigh uh, in. Oh, oh, my god! The- I did not want to. <laughs> I didn't want to spoil the immaculate, yeah. you know, the, the experiment. So I just played it very neutral. I was like, I don't know. They're both, you know, it's a toss up to me, you know, because I didn't, I didn't want to sully. Right. You didn't want to tip the scales. The yeah. one. I didn't, I didn't want to, I didn't want to sully. Right. So I, I kind of stayed out of it.
0: It'd be like, uh, becoming the host of Jeopardy.
4: Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> right. But okay. But then it was dragging on for a while and. Greg started getting really nervous. Yeah,
0: that's getting a little dicey. Yeah.
4: Yeah, and Greg, Greg was just, I was like, just hold on a little more. I forget, like, I had some some end game.
0: Hang in there, Greg. But he
4: just started getting more and more nervous, you know, and so they went for Hank Flint, Right. And he came in for an interview, and he did fine or whatever, and then... Uh,
3: but how did you know he would do well in the interview?
4: Um... <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I guess maybe I coached him a little bit, but, you know, it wasn't like...
3: He just had to not be
4: crazy. Exactly. He yeah. just had to, yeah, not be too crazy and everything. I think, I think, like, they liked his packet the best and everything. He and also this guy in. was
3: cool. He wasn't like, oh, do, can I actually get this job? Do I get to work there? Well,
4: I found out later, actually, <laughs> from my friend that he actually was like, what if I just, should I take the job? What if... <laughs> Like I think he actually thought at some point maybe I can,
0: you know, scan the scammer and like yeah. somehow if I do well in the interview. I mean, what's Right. The... <laughs> Wait, so was he interviewed by Jonathan Groff and Conan?
4: I don't I don't know if Conan was in there, but he probably like did a phone thing or something with Conan. I'm I'm not sure. Okay. But Conan was definitely on board with hiring him. I remember, like Conan right, had read it right, right. too and everything like that. But okay. So I think initially when Hank got hired, I, I was going to have Hank come in and take the job and like be weird basically and do, do all sorts of weird shit for like the first week, you know, and just, have all
0: sorts of crazy stuff going on. <laughs> Wait, your dream was for him to actually take, take the job?
4: job. Yeah, just for like a week or so come in. Yeah, and just to, and just then let a... the cat out of the bag, <gasps> you know? Oh, my God. Oh, man. So we pulled the plug early. And how we did pull the plug was... I think John actually had all of us come into the room when he was going to call <gasps> Hank Flynn to hire him.
0: I remember this oh part. We were, we were in a meeting. Uh-huh. And I think you... It came up naturally, but yeah. I, my memory is you said, hey, are, are you ever going to hire someone to take my place? <laughs> right. And he's like, ah, funny you should say that. We yeah. settled on this guy, Hank Flynn. <laughs> right. This is my memory of it. And, and, and none I of you knew he, that
3: this was all happening, right? So No, no one, one knew, knew.
0: Okay. any of this except for Greg Cohen. Yeah, yeah. It. So Groff goes, he goes, you know what? We're all here right now. Why don't I call him on speakerphone and 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 offer him the job?
3: Oh man! You know
0: it, it's always a big moment when you offer someone a job, and, and so it seemed very spontaneous. That was my memory of it. And so he calls Hank Flynn, and we're all the writers are in the, his writer's room, and it's like at, at like nine thirty at night, and he puts him on speakerphone.
4: Yeah. Although I I wonder I wonder how much was organic and how much did I press Graf to do it. Maybe a little of both. It, it worked <laughs> out perfectly because I did have Hank Flynn re- record the phone call. <gasps> so I actually still have a tape of that phone call. Hello. Hey, I was trying to
2: reach Hank Flynn. <laughs> Hank. Yeah. Jonathan Groff calling from late night. Hello, Jonathan. How are you? Good. How are you doing? Not bad. Thanks. What's going on? Uh, we'd like to offer you a job. Really? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Nice man, thanks a lot. Uh, yeah. Um, 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 yeah, we liked your we liked your submission the best. Well, thank you very we got much. Got a meeting with Conan um, O'Brien a while ago, and Brian Rich, who's actually the guy who's leaving, and uh-huh. he would read through the package too, and wow. yours was the best one. Well, oh, Jesus. <laughs> hey, everybody, on speaker. You just moment. make me feel really good, man. I really appreciate that. Hang on one second. All right, everybody, on speaker for right. one. Yeah. Here. <laughs> bad part is you at 10 o'clock at night, which is indicative of the nightmare that is this job. But well, uh, other than that. <laughs> Congratulations. Uh, Thank you. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Jeff Ross is the producer. Uh, I just talked to him, and uh, I'll call you tomorrow with, like, more details about what you need to do. Okay, cool. Jonathan, actually, can I talk to just you and ask you a couple questions? Oh. What's up? Hey, um, I just, I I just need, I just, I just wanted to ask you a couple of questions, sorry. Um, I just, what hours do you guys usually work anyway? Uh, we work, uh, like, 10, 30, depends, um, to like now or later. Oh, really? Yeah, it's pretty thrilling. Oh, all right. Because I got, it's just that I've got, like, I'm sort of a regular on these open mic circuits things that I like to do. And it would really hurt me if if I had to give them up at all, you know. And that, realistically, you're probably gonna have to give them up if you want to do this. Um, I see. Just because it's kind of you'll be here almost every night. I mean, the only exception would be would be like Monday, maybe you would get out a little earlier on Fridays, but generally we're here until now or or later. Right. So. um what, what least, was you know three three to three nights a week sometimes four okay. what was Brian making when he left um I don't know just cause I I think that the work is really good you know uh-huh. I think that the work is really good and I just oh. I just want to get you know what it's worth oh you're not gonna get more than that right oh okay um I mean that's just sort of the way it works okay I hear you um job um, um but well, why don't we and you know, I talk tomorrow okay well here's the thing yeah um I was I was watching uh I watched the show a lot over the mm-hmm. past week um and you know some of it I liked a lot mm-hmm. um but other you know some of the other stuff there just wasn't and I don't I don't mean this personally at all but some mm-hmm. of the, the other stuff there just really wasn't much payoff to it mm-hmm. um to be perfectly honest with you I I was watching the, the Daily Show today. Do you know that show? Mm-hmm. Um, on Comedy Central. And I, I, don't, I just I think that maybe that's more the place for me. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, you know what, Jonathan, I really appreciate your thinking about me. And, 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 and I really appreciate what you think about my work. Um, but honestly, I really think that maybe, uh, maybe Comedy Central is a better place for me. Oh okay. Uh is that is that something that you're gonna do? Uh, well maybe. I mean I don't really know anybody over there, but uh-huh. I mean I I think I may be able I, I think I might be able to swing a PA job over there, but um yeah. I mean I I sort of I just think it's more my speed, you know. Um but thank you very much. Okay, okay. I'll take okay. care. Bye.
4: Oh my god. So do you remember, did I did I reveal what's happening right then or did I? Let yes, it, I did. OK, that's good. Brock
0: probably didn't believe me at first, right? We couldn't believe you would sit down and write a new submission.
3: Go to so much work. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> right.
4: knowing how, how hard it was to get me to write anything when I was actually being paid for it. Right, right, right.
0: We were just like, oh, all that extra work. <laughs> what What was he thinking? Yeah, no, everyone was stunned. It was a great.
3: And did people react well then <laughs> once they knew? Oh, good. Oh, yeah. yeah.
0: yeah. No. yeah. Was, just so you had pulled that all off. And I know. Then it's unbelievable. We were like, well, wait, well, who's that guy on the phone? And you're like, he's a friend of my, you know, uh-huh. a, a roommate of a friend of mine. And yeah. And just. All the steps that went into setting up this phone call that night, everyone was kind of was blown away. And
4: then I think we we kind of reproduced it for Conan with like I think we didn't tell Conan what happened. So there was another phone call where Groff and I were in Conan's office, and I think Groff got Conan to have a conversation with the guy with Hank. I didn't to know try that. to convince him to come aboard or maybe Groff act like he hadn't told. So, so I think Hank did kind of a repeat performance for Conan. Oh, wow. Let Conan get a gut punch of this guy rejecting him as well. Oh my God. And then of course, then, you know, Conan had got his revenge on me.
0: Yes. Your last night. Right.
3: Oh yeah. So what happened?
0: It was your last night on the show and I went to Groff and Conan and we came up with this idea where. Because back then, sometimes Conan, if a writer was leaving, he'd say kind of a send-off, like, oh, you know, so-and-so's moving on, da 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 So we're like, oh, what if he does that for for Brian's last show at the end of the show and says, you know what, Let's he's so great, let's bring him out, and we bring out Hank Flynn. <laughs> so we snuck Hank Flynn into the, into the building, mm-hmm. and I was worried you were going to see him during the show, but luckily you were up in uh, your office, so... I, I don't know what you thought when you saw that, because Conan goes, you know, there's a writer's been here. Let's bring him out. Brian Rich. And then then Hank Flynn walks out.
3: And were you watching from your office, Brian?
0: Yeah. So
4: I was upstairs and, you know, the writer's floor. And I think, you know, I guess the other writers knew it was going to happen because they were like, come on, you know, Conan. I think, you know, Conan's going to say something about you. You got to see this. So. So I was in there with a bunch. I think you were probably there, Sweeney. I think it was. Yeah, I was there. Yeah, it was that that office. You, who who was in there? You and Kylie? and Brian Kiley. Yeah, Kylie. You know, Conan starts with his feel like, you know, this writer leaving, and I'm all like, I getting the warm fuzzies. Like, oh, this is so sweet. He's saying something about me. Brian Rich, come on out here, Brian. And Kang Flynn comes out and I was like, what? <laughs> I was like, I was like, really, I was really upset because I was like, oh my God, everyone who ever, who I ever told I would write for this show or whatever, like they're going to see this and be like that isn't the same Brian Rich. Like, it's a completely different guy. Oh, wow. So I was just, I don't know. I was just definitely, uh, Mm. yeah, got me good. I was trying to get down to the sixth floor and get up there and be like, no,
0: no. Oh, (laughs) were you going to run out on the set? I was
4: going to run out and ruin it so they couldn't air that or something. Yeah, I was going to run out there. Oh, wow. And people were, like, restrained. Like physically restraining me from getting to the stairwell and running down it You're
3: like we're gonna put a bag over your head brian uh. but you know, you know, what? You know <laughs> what no here's what
4: i now i remember why i was upset why i was really upset was because at the end conan in the interview when he's talking to hank a little what's next for you he said he was going to work uh, going to write for suddenly susan <laughs> <laughs> that's right and i was just like no that cannot stand. There that. could not be a
3: worse fate for me. Yeah, that, that cannot,
4: yeah, be my trajectory. Well, it did stand. Yeah. And I did end up working for Suddenly Susan for many a year.
0: <laughs> well, as, as long as Greg Cohen uh, was, he had to feel great relief yeah. when it all came out.
4: You got to have, you should have Greg Cohen on this. I know. And Hank Flynn. <laughs>
0: Well, then we started using him in sketches after that. He was in a lot of.
3: Oh my God. That's
0: right. So we did. He did actually get on the show after that. (laughs) Yeah. He'd act in like a lot of satellite TV channels and stuff. That's right. Well, thanks for doing this. Yeah.
3: One thing we do, we always like to wrap up the show by asking people for a piece of advice if they. Have one. Oh,
4: just keep at it, guys. Uh, You're, you'll get this podcasting <laughs> thing down eventually. Seriously.
3: Oh, that's sweet.
4: Uh, sorry. No, I, uh,
3: yeah. I mean, um, a piece of advice. Let's, as somebody who has been hired on the Conan show twice now, yeah. <laughs> for so, somebody out there who might want to get a job writing in late night or,
4: you know, have broad interests, which, you know, you either have or you don't. So I don't know if that's advice, but I think you can, you know, Find a way to use, like, everything that you ever learned in running for, you know, especially late night and sketch and something like that. That's, like, one of the things that's so great about it, you know, is you can just draw from anything you know or interested in and find a way to make that funny and get that across to people.
0: Right.
3: That's a good one. I don't know that we've covered that before, but I think especially having specific interests and, like, the more specific or the more kind of detailed you can get into something – that's going to mm-hmm. get you a lot of comedy, especially if it's something people aren't as familiar with.
4: Yeah. And if you have a little, you know, a little knowledge that authenticity like kind of comes through. Yep. And like a sketcher joke, like y- you just know, like even if the, the person getting the joke doesn't know that much about it, you can kind of sniff out like if the lingo and the, right, I right. don't know, the background seems legit or something, you know?
3: Yeah. Like all the research you did for PimpBot.
4: Exactly. That's right. And your years as a pimp. Exactly. I knew that would come in handy.
3: Well, thank you so much, Brian. Yeah.
4: Yeah. Thank you. Oh, thank you
3: guys. I mean, you're a legendary writer and it's really good to finally get to hash all these things out with you.
4: Yeah. It's good to finally meet
0: you.
3: And that was Brian Rich.
0: That was Brian Rich. And and uh, Hank
3: Flynn. <laughs> I was
0: going to say, with special guest Hank Flynn.
3: Oh, that really, I can't believe that. I mean, it's...
0: And you know what? Hank Flynn, found, I found out, is a, a field reporter on a news station in Philadelphia.
3: Oh, how cool. On
0: television. Yeah. I, wow. I kind of wondered what happened to him. and
3: I wonder if someone else actually got that job, but they handed it off to him. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> and you know, well I have to try to dig up that clip of him where where Conan says goodbye yes. to Brian Rich but Hank Flynn comes out to oh, play. Oh, I Brian loved Rich. that
3: cuz I mean that was a that was giving Brian a little bit of his own medicine. Exactly,
0: exactly. Uh try to even And uh, and
3: another boost for Hank.
0: That's right.
3: Who really uh, is an extremely talented actor. I mean, I was stunned by how good he played that, because that was not scripted, and he 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 played it perfectly. No,
0: he he built that phone. He just from the moment he said, "Can you take me off speakerphone?" Yes. He and John and you know Jonathan Groff was great too. He,
3: he was, he, yeah, he was really patient.
0: He, he was just, he, I think he knew like, just don't react, react. I asked uh-huh. him about it, and he said, "Oh, I, you know what, I." You guys were on the room listening, so I, yeah, it totally inhibited me from like you know getting into it with him on the phone because I
3: would have probably started crying. <laughs>
0: <laughs> he was stunned. He was just stunned. Yeah, that whole phone call.
3: Ugh, I'm so glad that there's a record of it.
0: Yeah, I know it's fantastic.
3: So that's the that's the moral of this story, listeners. Is if you're going to play everything. an epic prank on your boss, please record it for posterity.
0: Yes. Well, now everything is recorded. You don't have to worry. Too much that's is recorded. That's
3: true. Alexa's doing it for us. I,
0: I think now I'd like to ask people to record less. Yeah, that's true. Please. We're running out of space. Just, just, you know, sometimes memories are nice uh, without the video proof. Uh, anyway. Oh, you know what? Last week we had a, a great guest, Jim Pitt, who is our music booker on Late Night and mm-hmm. Tonight Show and Conan for many, many years. Uh, and we got a great email Referencing his appearance.
3: Yeah. Um, the email, I mean, I'm going to kind of paraphrase here, but uh, our friend Jed Christensen found out that um, a music analytics company called The Next Big Sound did an analysis and they found that Conan actually gave the biggest boost to bands out of any late night
0: show. Yeah. Like, and this is back when Letterman was on, because I know Letterman had a lot of musical acts too, and they said, it, an appearance on Conan was a bigger boost for musical acts in terms of downloads of their music following the appearance, uh, even bigger than yeah. an appearance on Letterman, which was very, impre- uh, very impressive.
3: Yeah, it says artists appearing on the charismatic redhead stage on average see a fifty percent increase in iTunes album sales and Facebook fans.
0: Yeah, that. that yeah, that was, yeah, that's a nice thing to the hear. Conan Bump. The Conan Bump.
3: Well, cool. Thank you, Jed, for writing in with that. And we have another listener question.
0: Yeah, here it is. It's from Santiago?
3: At Santiago.Oval.
0: Is there any sketch you regret not doing? Like an idea that got thrown to the bin because of, it just says, because of reasons. (laughs) <laughs> well, there's always reasons. That, <laughs> Jesse, do you want That's to that? That's accurate, this one? yeah. Because of yeah.
3: it not being good enough. Right. Or sometimes not. I mean, honestly, I I did I was just remembering a sketch that we didn't get to do and I still think it holds. And it was one that I had like I had set an alert for myself to pitch it again the next year. Cause sometimes you could repitch uh-huh. things that didn't make it. Um but this one was, it was a Father's Day sketch, and okay. the premise was that Conan and Andy had both received a World's Best Dad mug from their uh-huh. kids, but there couldn't only be one World's Best Dad, so right. they had, uh, it basically became a, a father game off. show, a father-off, and it was hosted, it was supposed to be hosted by Bob Saget, so I think that was the problem, was that we, we couldn't get Bob Saget that
5: uh-huh.
3: day. Uh-huh. Um where they had to answer questions like, "Uh, you know, how many hours ahead should you arrive to the airport?" Right. Basically, everything Basic from dad. that uh, progressive commercial now. <laughs> 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 but it, yeah, it was, it was just like dadisms that they had to oh, have a dad, a dad off.
0: That that sounds like a great sketch.
3: I think it could have worked, Sweeney.
0: And what? And when you what? And even when you repitched it, it didn't. It didn't go. Uh, well,
3: then I, I think I just forgot to, or maybe oh, it was oh, like forgot. the next year right, right, it was, right. Um, I, it might have been that the next year was COVID and we just didn't.
0: That old excuse. We, I, like
3: my, my sad little alert came up and then I was like, oh, we can't, we can't do that now.
0: <laughs> someday you'll get to, I, I feel someday you'll get to do that. If there's still a Father's Day, who knows? And if
3: there's still a Bob Saget.
0: <laughs> Fathers are becoming obsolete. <laughs> there will always be a Bob Saget. <laughs> I I remember a sketch where literally we just ran out of time. It wasn't a sketch. It was. Do you, do you remember Shia LaBeouf? I was. Yeah. I mean, he's always sort of in. <laughs> he's always sort of in trouble. But back in 2014, I think he made a a movie and was accused of plagiarism. And then he did a whole art installation where you could visit him. In this art gallery, and sit alone with him for seven minutes while he wore a bag over his head. (laughs) I remember that that. said, "I am not a celebrity." (laughs) So,
3: and that bag was a premonition, right? Yes,
0: it really was. I I hope he bought bought them in bulk. (laughs) So I I forget whose idea it was, but the idea was uh, Triumph Insult Comic Dog would go and <laughs> confront him for seven minutes and we'd, of course, shoot it. And I, but I think the idea came up late. So we really didn't get on the line. We got on the line the last day.
3: Oh, but you actually went.
0: Well, I showed up uh, and Robert Smigel, we had someone waiting on the line and then Robert showed up and took the person's place online but time was running out. And then I think we were trying to bargain with the people in front of us. Like, come <laughs> on, man. It's triumph. And, you know.
3: They cause... were all ho- filming other late night shows. Right. Ex- exactly.
0: <laughs> come on, Kimmel, you know, l- let us do it. <laughs> it was a thing where we just ran out of time and they, they closed the exhibit. And, but it would have been problematic because you weren't allowed to shoot. Video in there, yeah. So we had had to cheat. We had secret cameras set up, Mm -hmm. but then I don't even know if we'd figured out how to shoot. We'd have to get someone else in the room with him to shoot. Obviously, we need a shot of triumph and 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 interacting with Shia. So
5: I don't know.
0: It it was definitely going to result in an arrest. So, (laughs) but I was always, I was always. I would just love to have seen them those two that together. That would have been
3: great. Yeah. Well, yeah.
0: Just like the more time that elapses. If you watch that now, you'd be like, wait, wh- what is...
3: Why was he doing wh- that? Why is
0: he yelling at a man with a bag on his head?
3: <laughs> well, maybe we'll see it someday.
0: Uh, yeah. Maybe we can combine <laughs> it with the Father's Day idea. Oh, yeah. <laughs> They're both probably parents. That'll I think
3: be our make-a-wish.
0: Trimes fathered hundreds of children.
3: <laughs> That's probably true Yes um, Well thank you for that question And you know what I have a note from our producer That we're running low on listener questions So That, that can't means... be true I know you. I, I'm i stunned that you guys are out of questions After all this time uh, But so if you have one There's a really good chance That we're going to read it Yes um, So you can email Very us at chance. InsideConanPod At gmail.com Or you can leave us a voicemail At 323-209-5303 um, oh, and the the live Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend episode recorded at the Wiltern Theater is going to be available on Team Cocoa Podcasts uh, for anyone who was not there in person. Yes. See you next week.
0: Yes. Thanks for tuning in.
3: Thanks for listening. We like you. Inside Conan, an important Hollywood podcast is hosted by Mike Sweeney and me, Jesse Gaskell.
0: Produced by Sean Doherty. Our production coordinator is Lisa Byrne.
3: Executive produced by Joanna Solotaroff, Adam Sachs, and Jeff Ross at Team Coco.
0: Engineered and mixed by Will Beckton.
3: Our talent bookers are Gina Batista and Paula Davis.
0: Thanks to Jimmy Vivino for our theme music and interstitials.
3: You can rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts.
0: And of course, please subscribe and tell a friend to listen to Inside Conan on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Or whatever platform you like best.
2: It's the Conan Show. Put on your hat. It's the Conan Show. Try on some spats. You're gonna have a laugh. Give birth to a calf. It's Conan. This has been
5: a Team Coco production.
1: Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me.